Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball, always wearing red and being loud. And welcome back. Welcome back in. This is Talking Out Loud, uh, your favorite podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball. Whether you on the you are on the podcast feed or on 1410 ESPN Radio, we welcome you in for a full 45 minutes to an hour, roughly, of Dayton basketball talk. And we would not leave you hanging, baby birds. The Dayton Flyers finish off the home regular season with a triumphant 24-point win, 77 to 53 year final from Edwin C. Moses Boulevard. The Flyers make it look easy today. I guess that's not really true. In what is most likely, probably, and I would say more than likely, Deron Holmes' last game on UD Arena floor, as well as Tamani Kamara's last game for the Red and White. The Flyers take care of business. And if I'm a betting man, and I think you know what I'm going to say here. It was the last game for many of our friends on the Dayton Flyers team. I'll set the over-under at three and a half departures. Take whatever betting line you wish, but there will be departures. And thankfully, Duran and Tamani and whoever else decides to find greener pastures or pro ball or Europe or whatever life throws at them after this season, the Flyers 
end up triumphant again, 24 point winner, 77 to 53. And it was one of those games um, that was never really in doubt. Um, the Flyers got up early. LaSalle cut it to six at a certain point if you didn't watch the game. Um, and it was just, it was one of those games that LaSalle couldn't quite get over the hump. And uh, you know those when you're you're scratching and clawing to get back in and the deficit gets to eight and then push back up to 14 and then six and then back up to 10. It was kind of one of those games where the Flyers, I believe, were up 17 to six if memory serves early and then never seriously got threatened beyond the aforementioned six point advantage. And that's what led to them pulling away uh, at the end of the day. LaSalle won the rebounding battle today, 37-32, simply because of how many shots they missed. Uh, they dominated the offensive boards, 18 comparative to Dayton's eight. But again, when you shoot 29%, 18 for 57 from the field, that's going to happen. Dayton, 29 of 53 overall from the field. They shot an astounding 58% from downtown, 12 for 23. And I will go out on a limb and say... If the Flyers shoot over 40% in their games in the Atlantic 10 tournament next week, you can assure that they will be cutting down the nets because that is a serious X factor to their success. Um, implications for the game, there wasn't a ton because uh, VCU ended up taking care of business. They will improve to 14-3 and three with one game left to go. That means VCU effectively has won the regular season of the Atlantic 10. They will be the number one seed. Dayton improves to 12 and 5. St. Louis drops down to 11 and 6. And Fordham still has to go tomorrow. But of course, uh, Dayton won the tiebreaker against Fordham because of the head to head record. So the Arch Baron Cup does have certain significant. Um, implications. Uh, Dayton does lock up the double bye in Brooklyn, so they will be playing on Thursday as their first game as a result of tonight's game against LaSalle. Again, Dayton locking up the double bye, which means they will not play Tuesday. They will not play Wednesday. They will play first in the quarterfinals on Thursday, likely in the evening because the two and three seeds play in the evening, one and four in the morning. So we know that VCU will be the first game of that Thursday slate of the games that really start to matter. Of course, the pillow fights are on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, you have uh, whatever that is, the second round, if you want to call it that. Um, but quarterfinals is, is where the rubber meets the road. Eight teams are left, and uh, and every game matters after that. And that's when the games truly will matter after we get the Arch Baron Cup done and over with this coming Friday night at Chaffetz Arena. And basically, uh, at Chaffetz Arena, we're, we're going to be playing for the 2-4 to four seed. Um, I don't believe that Dayton can fall back as far as the 4, because even if St. Louis wins, uh, it is my knowledge that Dayton owns the tiebreaker over St. Louis because they will have split the regular season. However... Uh, St. Louis got swept tonight by VCU. So again, VCU wins the conference. And if my math serves me correctly, the game ended about 30 seconds ago as of the, the time I hit record on this one. Dayton will be playing for a two or three seed, meaning that their game will start uh, somewhere between five and eight o'clock next Thursday night in Brooklyn. 
Um, you know, the, the news of the night and the conversation of the night around the Dayton Flyers fan base was the news that Tamani Kamara was going to indeed take part in festivities uh, for Senior Day. And indeed, he did. I think it is safe to assume at this point that he will not be coming back. If you followed the program for any amount of time, you will understand his position on that particular way to handle his life. Uh, he is in his fourth collegiate year of basketball. The game tonight will have been his appearance in uh, 121 games. So certainly a great career uh, top to bottom for Tamani Kamara. He will finish his overall athletic career uh, somewhere around 1,400 points, and about 800 of those have come in a Dayton uniform. So fantastic contributions from him to the team. And of course, we would be remiss if we did not mention Deron Holmes in what was most likely 99% chance his last game at UD Arena as well. He will have gone down a 13-point-a-game score in his freshman year and around 19 this year. Deron going to end his Dayton career over 1,000 points in two years. Definitely would have gotten to the 2,000-point mark had he stuck around for four years. But safe to say at this point that he will be moving on to pro basketball. And just about every mock draft still has him in the second round being taken. And I do believe that is the outcome that we will see take place. Uh, which, of course, led me to discussion on Twitter with people and all those, uh, all you out there that do like to discuss Dayton Flyers basketball. There seemed to be a certain amount of shock and surprise when Tamani Kamara announced that he was going to be uh, partaking in Senior Day. And I think it is just dawning on many people that this team is not young. They are not even really underclassmen, given that the COVID year did not count. You are talking about a roster that has generally over 60 games of college experience. And of course, the aforementioned Tamani Kamara was in his 121st game of his college career. Tonight, RJ Blakeney played in the 78th game of his career. If you go to Mustafa Amzil, who had a fantastic game tonight for Dayton, he was able to chip in a, a very considerable 10 points and uh, four rebounds. Great game for him, five to six from the field. But Mustafa Amzil, he has appeared now in 84 games for the Flyers. And then, of course, Malachi Smith and Duran. I believe Malachi's in the 50s, Duran 65 games in, uh, in his college career. Point I'm getting at, of course, is that this team is not young by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, in fact, they are quite an experienced roster. And the reality of college basketball is starting to hit a lot of people around Dayton, and it's slapping you right across the face. Because for the last two years, all we have heard is how young this team is. They'll gel. They're underclassmen. They'll figure it out. But the reality was that Amzil is now in his third year. Blakeney in his third year. Brea in his third year. Um, all of these guys effectively are juniors with Duran, Malachi, of course, being sophomores. And the only one truly in his first season being Mongolian Mike, which is something we impressed upon people early in the season when they were having their struggles 
and we were assured that it was a long season. In fact, it is not a long season, and many that have followed college basketball closely realize by now that the hay is made for the Atlantic 10 Conference in November and December. That's when you stack your wins. That's when you stack stack games up that can differentiate you against those middle-of-the-pack Power 5 teams and others on the bubble. But more importantly, there is no time to figure it out in college basketball when you are in the predicament that Dayton is or, let's say, the unfortunate situation. And what I mean by that is, of course, if you're in the Big Ten and you stumble out of the gate, let's say you go 8-5, and 7-6, and six, that is not really a big deal because you can go 10 and 10 in the conference in the Big Ten and the Big East, come up with a, let's call it 17 and 15 record for the sake of discussion, and find your way onto the bubble because you have so many of those quad one opportunities. We talked about it many times this year, but those don't exist in the A-10, and especially this year as the A-10 has taken a downturn and they've gone progressively down each year as far as the strength of the conference. And now what you're looking at is Dayton in a season where they're going to end up one and two in the quad one. VCU actually was able to slip up into the, uh, or slip down rather, into the quad one to give Dayton that one uh, big win. And then the quadrant two, they were 0 and 4. And so we said it in November and December, you know, you're overreacting, but you're not. And it's, It's not really fans even getting angry. It's not fans jumping off the deep end. It's more so pragmatic fans of college basketball understanding that with the tenuous position that Dayton has going into A-10 play without good wins, they need to make up that ground early on in the season. And as we said in November, it does get late quite early. When you multiply that by the fact that the college basketball landscape has changed, Players can hit the portal whenever they want. They can transfer wherever they want. There's NIL money to move up in the Power Five. Let's say a kid from Dayton did quite well and got an offer from Kentucky. Jacob Toppin did that going from Rhode Island to Kentucky. There was significantly more money available to him at Kentucky than Rhode Island. It's a no-brainer move for him. And it's going to start to happen to Dayton as well. And if we are going to continue to be a reputable program, We're going to get guys like Duran and Obi Toppin, of course, that play two years and then move on. So there's no more young teams. There's no more building for the future. There's no more three-year rebuild plan. There is only this year and next year, and you can only plan for this year and next year. Dayton's this year was last year, and now it is officially next year and it is too late, which is why Dayton finds himself way, way on the wrong side of the bubble and playing for three days in Brooklyn. But looking at the big picture, the team will be gutted. And that's where I started tonight uh, and where I will finish the first segment is that many on Twitter uh, were saying how this they were shocked, frankly, that Tamani Kamara is, you know, going to have a senior day. And then people, it's starting to dawn on them that, hey, Duran probably played his last game at the arena. And then you look down the roster and say, is Mustafa Amzel going to go play pro? Is RJ Blakeney going to come back? Is Kobe Brea going to have better offers to move up? I think with confidence, I can say that Malachi Smith is about the only player that I know will be back at Dayton next year. And I cannot confidently say that for the rest of the roster. 
So you see three and five year rebuilds, three and four years to get your program back to relevance is now a thing of the past. It's two years, rinse and repeat. And Dayton can be successful with that model. Dayton can be successful reloading every other year and then making a tournament run the following year. Dayton can be successful plucking kids out of mid-majors to help the roster in the transfer portal. Dayton can be successful every other year showing kids the door that aren't going to contribute to this roster to go find a program where they will contribute and then immediately filling those holes with better players. Dayton can be effective at all of these new pieces of the college landscape, but it is be, it is going to be a priority for Dayton, or it has to be a priority for Dayton to start to operate this way because operating the way that we have been with the three or four year windows and trying to build four year players and have them here and have longevity and have experienced teams, that is not going to work anymore. The experienced teams in the tournament that are making runs in the last three years are a mixture of guys that have stuck around and those experienced guys in their junior and senior years that have hit the portal to find those greener pastures. And Dayton will need to be a greener pasture for some of those kids. And so here we are, uh, another season where February didn't mean all that much, yet Dayton did find themselves in the top four of the conference outside of the bubble, as we mentioned but still a betting favorite to win the A-10 tournament and make no mistake about it. Dayton will be a favorite in the A-10 tournament. Dayton should be a favorite in the A-10 tournament. Dayton has the talent to win said A-10 tournament, and it will be interesting to see, and it will probably shave years off my life watching this team in the A-10 tournament, trying to do something that Archie Miller couldn't do, that Brian Gregory couldn't do, and that is when the whole effing thing. Shout out Jake Taylor. The Flyers go to Brooklyn next week, again, as the two or three seed with tonight's results, hoping to win their first A-10 tournament championship in 20 years. Come on back to the other side of the break on Talking Out Loud. This is the Rapid Reaction. Dayton, a winner, 77-53 over LaSalle to end the regular season at home. They go to St. Louis on Friday, but on the other side of the break, we'll have the Gola boys at Gola Standard, the LaSalle podcast boys. They're going to tell you their thoughts on the game, what they thought of tonight's game, what their first impressions were of the Dayton Flyers, and of course, how they continue to be UMass fans year in and year out. Come on back. It's Talking Out Loud Rapid Reaction Show. I'm Sully, and you can only find it on 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton. Welcome back into Talking Out Loud, the rapid reaction on 1410 ESPN Radio. I am your host, Sully, as I always am on this program, and I come to you again after a Dayton win, 77-53, the aforementioned score against the LaSalle Explorers in UD Arena, and I am joined right now by my old pals at the Goal of Standard on Twitter. They have a little acronym. It's not an acronym. It's their name on Twitter. I don't know why I said acronym. It's only fans, and it took me like three seasons to figure out why it was that. Uh, so for listeners on the radio, there's the obviously inappropriate site, OnlyFans, where guys watch girls get naked, 
which is great for society. But there's a street that runs past LaSalle called Only Avenue. And so it is a play on Only Avenue. You just learned something, Dayton Flyer fan. But they join me right now, Rich and Dennis. Did, did I get that right? The whole little setup right there? Yeah. Right. Uh, ad- additionally, uh, we do live near a, a section, a neighborhood called Olney. Um, so if you ever take the subway to LaSalle university, the likelihood you'll land at Olney transportation center is pretty high. So, so yeah, we, we do, uh, embody the, the Olney brand and we embrace the neighborhood in that way. Well, I, I will get there one day, Dennis, but like, I'm scared to be honest. Like there's nothing lower as a Dayton fan than traveling to Tom Gola Arena to watch us lose. It doesn't get any lower than that for us. You guys know that though. What is, yeah, what guess, is it about that place? What, just, what is it? I don't get it. It is a callback to when you played at a high school gym. If, if you're a, a D1 athlete, uh, you've been pampered your whole college career uh, and you get to go, uh, go back in time, back to when you used to play in a high school gym and where the amenities were that of a high school. So it can be a bit uncomfortable. And I think that's why a lot of guys dread playing there because, you know, it's hot as hell. It is uncomfortable. The locker room is slightly bigger than a walk-in closet for the visiting team. And, uh, I mean, it's just not a welcoming environment. Yeah, (laughs) my walk-in closet is pretty sizable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, guys, I'm going to hit you with some trivia just right off the bat here tonight. Let's go. Um, Yeah, I know you guys are big fans of trivia. I am as well, of course. But uh, tonight was the 50th meeting between our two programs. Uh, Rich, you want to take a stab at the the record uh, between Dayton and LaSalle on the 50th meeting, including tonight's result, Dayton being a winner? Um, I'll go uh, 19 and 31. Oh my God, you got it exactly right. That's amazing. Let's go. That is incredible. No way. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Great start to the show tonight. Fantastic guests we have. Richard Dennis from the LaSalle point of view. Uh, nailed that trivia question. 50th meeting between the Flyers. 31 and 19 is now the advantage. Dayton over LaSalle. Uh, so, Dennis, one for you. Uh, sixth meeting against LaSalle for Anthony Grant. What is his record now in six games? I was going to guess and say two and four. Tonight pushed his record to three and three, uh, but still suspect. Uh, It's really weird. Like Anthony Grant has has programs that he has dominated, like doesn't lose to Davidson, but just cannot figure it out against LaSalle. (laughs) I I don't know why. But I guess tonight, you know, he kind of exercised those demons, right? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, you guys lost to George Mason, and I just knew they would be pissed off uh, at home and on, on, on senior night, no less. So LaSalle just ran into a buzzsaw. It was pretty unfortunate timing for the Explorers. Yeah. Rich, what was your first impressions of Dayton? Uh, I'm assuming you haven't caught many of our games this year, nor have I caught LaSalle games. Let's, you know, let's keep everything a buck. Uh, first impressions on the Flyers tonight? Um, it seems like I've caught it here and there. It seems like the strength of their team is obviously their front court. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy to me, you know, in the second half when Dane was scoring all out of their possessions, how late in the shot clock they waited to, you know, take, you know, some yeah. shots. It really, really it looked You're like surprised. UVA-esque. Yeah, I'm UVA-esque. not surprised. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've listened to your podcast a lot. I know you always talk about how, you know, they plot along and they play that style. Uh, but to see it in person, 
Um, and then when they did that and they made all those shots, you know, LaSalle, you know, they're, tra- they're trading threes for twos for a while. And then Dayton eventually, you know, took over. Yeah. Rich, let, let's, let's get into that a little bit. Cause you have no dog in the fight. Uh, sometimes people call me a little bit too critical on like how UD runs the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have plenty of data to back it up. There's 15 years of data that says Anthony Grant's offense in college does not work for the entire college basketball season. It just doesn't. You can you can look at it. I can go through the numbers. I've done it a million times. But when you look at a roster like Dayton's where they, they have depth, they have probably nine guys that they could play. They don't. Do you think it would be um, an advantage for Dayton to speed up the pace given what you saw tonight? Absolutely. Like they have the athletes to do it. They have the wings to do it. I don't know why he's slow. I completely agree. I don't, I mean, I'm not coaching the team. Maybe there's a reason why, but I completely agree. They have the athletes, they have the wings, they have the shooters. They have the size to do it. I don't know why he doesn't. I mean, I know Malachi could probably lead the break and push with, you know, Elvis and Shroud Joms and, you know, everyone else. And, you know, they're bigs as well. Yeah. I mean, but like their bigs are athletic enough to do that. It's not like they're slow plotting bigs, like they're athletic. Yeah, and it's funny because um, now when we do run the fast break, it, it's almost awkward because the guys don't do it enough. And mm-hmm. you'll see a lot. You saw it again tonight. When Dayton goes and tries to push the pace, they get the stop sign from Anthony Grant. And again, it's like kind of refreshing sometimes to hear the, the outside perspective of like, here's what we saw. We haven't really watched the team, you know, because – Mm-hmm. You guys know when you're a fan and you're in it a lot and you're mm-hmm. watching them every night, you, you tend to be like a little bit biased in in your um, in your perspective and analysis, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But here we are again, guys, and uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't go towards the the subject matter in the podcast of, of just another LaSalle season that has been fairly typical for you guys. Uh, now that is fourteen and sixteen on the year. Drops LaSalle to seven and ten in conference. We we kind of talk about it. I think I think it's our third year now that we've talked LaSalle hoops. And um, Dennis, like, w- what is like the, the way forward for LaSalle, right? Like, because I know when we talked last time, you're like, well, if we could just make a run of the tournament every five years, like that'd be awesome. And I kind of asked both of you guys, well, wouldn't you be better served in another conference to do it? And I think it's well on record that you would be. So have you guys heard like any rubblings or really anything from the administration university that says to you, hey, they're going to be serious about being competitive in basketball moving forward? Well, for the most part, we have heard rumblings about, you know, that new arena, that that elusive new arena, even if it's renovated. (laughs) I don't even like LaSalle and I want it. (laughs) (laughs) That will hopefully move the needle. Now, we do have Fran Dunphy. Um, obviously pretty old has that, uh, that knowledge and that, that wisdom, but can he recruit in this day and age with NIL and LaSalle being such a small school? The future in our minds is hitting that international market and also the transfer portal hard. We are not going to have the same team we have this season. I'll be surprised if, you know, it's the same. And additionally, I think that there's going to be some news hopefully soon about a new arena. Now, if we yeah. combine those two things and Fran is is as good as he was this season, some some games, I mean, I thought LaSalle played really well. If we can combine all of those things um, with a new arena on the horizon and some guys that just want to play hard for Fran, 
you know, I think the future could be bright and we could be looking at maybe a, a 500 season one of these seasons before he kind of hands the keys to uh, another coach. Yeah, because, I mean, you guys have to be sitting there in this transfer portal era thinking to yourself, well, LaSalle's a great landing spot for transfers because we, we talk about it, it, it Dayton, it's almost a perfect give and take. And I think for most programs, it's going to be a perfect give and take. And I think LaSalle fits that mold as well. So you hear me out here. You're always going to have guys that get really good over two years and then they leave, right? It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Even one year. I mean, Fordham's been happening there for like decades. Um, but now that it's even more pronounced, like Dayton, we want to have guys that come in for two years, dominate, go to the pros, you know, whatever. I think we'll probably have more guys go to the pros than we will to go up to the power five. But you guys will have more guys that go to the power five as opposed to the pros. However... Dayton is a significant step up from just about every mid-major. And frankly, because of the conference LaSalle is in, they are also going to be a step up from every mid-major. And of course, you guys have a little bit of the added juice of, hey, you don't have to come play in Dayton, Ohio. You get to play in one of the biggest and best cities in the United States, you know, with a huge basketball culture. Mm -hmm. And when LaSalle is good, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich, but like, when LaSalle's winning games, they get the notoriety just because they're in Philly and people in Philly love basketball, right? They'll get the local, you know, the media will talk about it, but which is significantly more than you get in Dayton, right? Like that's kind of what I'm saying, right? Like you get Philly buzz, which is worth like way more than it is just about every other part of the country. But I think you see my point. Don't you view LaSalle as like the perfect middle ground in this transfer era where you can probably reload every two years moving forward. Just if you get that big piece, which is probably, you know, new facilities. I don't know. I'm I'm very skeptical. I mean, you know, this year, Fran Duffy's a new coach, and, you know, all his roster is pretty much leftovers from Ashley Howard. He was able to pick up, you know, some international guys like you saw, Rokas, Josius tonight. Yep. But I'm curious how going forward the recruiting is. I'm very, very skeptical because I haven't heard much this year. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very skeptical. I, I mean, <laughs> I hope your plan is – like, I would love for that to happen. It's got to be what they're thinking, at least, you know. Yeah, but I think NIL has changed things. And when you don't have much money like some of these other schools do, I'm just curious the downward effect at, like at LaSalle, what they can actually – who they can actually get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's the understated point here is I don't know the financials behind LaSalle mm-hmm. and I have to imagine you guys probably don't have money to throw at the program like Dayton. Where does LaSalle sit? And uh, if you're just joining us, welcome into the Rapid Reaction. This is Talking Out Loud here on ESPN 1410, talking to Rich and Dennis, our LaSalle fans after Dayton's a winner by 24 here. Um is that is that you think the biggest hindrance? Because that's kind of what I'm getting to as a big picture for this argument, guys, or this discussion is if you're going to play in the big boy pool and try to do NAL and try to you know compete in the A10, you got to have the money to do it too. So I guess that's the larger question. Like if LaSalle is actually going to get serious about basketball, do they have the money or where does it come from? Right. That's that's the big question here. We've uh, you heard us on the last time we we were on your your show. We talked about how we we could see LaSalle having some success in a different conference. Um yeah. and and money is the biggest reason why. Like you take facilities out of the question, it's all about money. 
And this school is small in, in every way. Uh, enrollment is not what it used to be. Um, all we have is Fran Dunphy. He came along and kind of threw us a life vest here. Um, he, he honestly felt, it felt like he saved the program in a lot of ways. Yeah. So that gives you kind of like the pulse on how this program is currently. Um, it, it, it it's going to take a lot of hard work to be relevant in the A-10 for an extended period of time. And in my mind, in the next five to 10 years, I just don't think it will be sustainable unless there's some dramatic turnaround. Um, granted, you never know. Things could happen that you don't expect, but that's that's our outlook, at least. I think I speak for Rich when I say in the next five to 10 years, LaSalle may not be in the A-10. They may not be in you know anywhere near the A-10. But I mean, is that an outcome you're, you're rooting for at this point? <laughs> if you want to be a realist, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it, what it, I mean. You, like, are fans clamoring to like stay in the A10? Because you, you can't be uh, at this point, right? I think I think they are though. I don't think yeah. LaSalle is going to go forward with this, um, you know, capital campaign for a new arena to go down. You know what I mean? Even though that's they're true. light years behind some of the other programs, um, they're building this for the A-10 to stay in there. Um, yeah, it's chicken and the egg stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, that's philosophically, like, that. that is a good point to bring up. I guess I didn't really think of it like that because I do take it for granted that we've had our arena for 50 years. Yeah. Um, I'm not rubbing salt in the wound. I'm just mm-hmm. speaking factually. I'm sorry, fellas. Oh, you're good. Um, <laughs> but, We're used to it. No, I'm <laughs> But that is that's a good point, right? Like, okay, you want to have better facilities, but you don't want to leave the A ten and have better facilities, or you, you, you. But do you want to have better facilities and continue being crappy in the A ten? It's like I, I don't know that that is such a seesaw. And to me, I would say build that four thousand seat arena and then go be the class of another league because um, I've been you know fairly on record about the fact that I think Loyola had a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. They don't have the facilities, the program, the infrastructure to be up here now. And here they are. And and it's going to be bumpy for them. And I think it's going to be just as bumpy for them as it is for Loyola or for LaSalle rather, mm-hmm. because of the reasons we're talking about. Um, I just, I view them so much more as like a LaSalle that had a George Mason type of run. And I, and I don't really think they have staying power, but um, it's interesting to hear you guys say that because that's where I'm at now is like asking LaSalle fans, like, what do you want? Like, would, cause I think Rich, last time you said you'd be cool going to the Mac or, you know, Metro Atlantic or, or wherever, right? Like, where do you guys fit best in your eyes? I, I did say that I love, yeah. I like being in the A10, but like you said, is it really best for them or best for LaSalle competitively to be in the A10? Like, yeah. I guess it depends on what their you know what your goals are as a program. It's like at some point you want to make the tournament, but is that you know with you know NIL and conference realignment? Um, are you gonna you know if you go to a smaller conference, you know you have that one shot, the A10. But how often is LaSalle gonna you know it? They made the NCAA tournament you know 2013, and who knows? Like I forget before then, but it doesn't happen. So it depends, you know, your goals of the program. Yeah. When I think about the A-10 now and how it's grown to add Loyola, and it just feels like a one-bid league, as they say. And 
same with all these other conferences out there that could change. You might get two or three bids in there, but the chances of LaSalle being one of those three bids feels slim to none. And and that's me being a realist. I would love for them to get into the tournament via the a 10, but it feels like almost an equal or better chance to drop to another conference Mm -hmm. and go to just a one bid league to just play in a, in a, in a, in a league with maybe fewer teams. Um, and, you know, talent level that is equal to us. Cause I do feel like we're David and Goliath. You saw us against, if, if you were watching, I mean, Duquesne just buried us with their size. Yeah. And, and, and it just was so ugly. Um, on our trip to GW, you could tell it was just a noticeable difference in size and talent that I really hate to admit. It's, it, it's, it's, it's David and Goliath out there, some games. And, yeah. uh, it would change if we dropped to a different conference. So. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. We're going to keep it rolling because I like good discussion around here and I like you joining in for the rapid reaction. I'm Sully. They are Rich and Dennis, our LaSalle fans, after Dayton takes care of business at the arena tonight, 77-53. This is the Talking Out Loud rapid reaction. And again, I'm Sully, and you can only find it on 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome back in last segment, talking out loud, rapid reaction. I am Sully and joined by Rich and Dennis from the LaSalle side of the fence after the Flyers are the victors to move their conference record to uh, 11 and 5, 12 and 5. Oh, God, I'm the worst radio host, guys. I got to be honest with you. Like sometimes, you know, 
it's a long season. You just yeah. forget they're 12 and five in the conference playing for the two or the three seed uh, against St. Louis on Friday night. And, uh, you know, picking back up, guys, we we're talking about uh, conference realignment and, you know, where LaSalle goes from here. But if you guys had your way and, um, you know, you got to choose like what league you go into right now, real quick, like what would it be right now? Which league would you rather be in? Ooh. Rich, you got one? I was thinking Colonial Athletic Association. This, Ooh, the, uh, I, I, like, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I feel like that's better than the Mac. And it's like a slight step down. You still play your Drexel. We'd have them in Delaware. I'd be down mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, yeah like they, you got local teams, be, right? Yeah, yeah, they seem to be our uh, non-conference. I feel like we usually mm-hmm. play like three or four of those guys uh, in the non-conference. So it would just be a natural fit in my mind. And excuse the analogy, fellas, but I feel like the discussion that we're having right now is very um, akin to the English soccer setup. And I, if my listeners like aren't like, you know, diehard soccer fans, it, you know, in England, if you are in the bottom three of the Premier League, or bo- is it bottom four or bottom three? It's bottom four, bottom three, whatever. If you're in the bottom of the Premier League, you drop down to the league below them. But generally speaking, when you drop down out of the Premier League, you do quite well in the league that you drop down into because you guessed it, the teams are lesser. So you have more talent because you could play games ostensibly in the Premier League for a season, even if you were terrible. And then you drop down and usually not always, but usually the team is better in that second league. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about with LaSalle here, right? Like you would rather have top four success in a lesser league than be in the pillow fights more often than not. Because, you know, Rich, you could take this one, but right now in the A-10, we've talked about it with a lot of our guests. You basically have Dayton for all of the complaining that we do, all of the kvetching. We're always in the top four. Mm-hmm. But what, you know, what chaps my behind is that we can't get into that at-large discussion. We can't win those extra three games that push us onto the bubble, right? Like, that's what really gets under my skin. But at the end of the day, we're always in the top four of the A-10. You guys, it's like getting into the top four of the A-10 requires a Fordham-esque effort as to what we're seeing right now, which is essentially like Fordham making history and getting into the top four, right? It's it's rare. It's so yeah. rare. And I don't know if it would ever happen again. I think about Philly sports and I think about if, if LaSalle ever made it to the A-10 final, if, even if they lost the A-10 final. I would treat it like it, we won the Super Bowl. I think that it is it is it is so unobtainable to me in my mind. I don't you think can't even La- picture that day. I, I cannot. Yeah. I don't think LaSalle as a program has ever gotten past, you know, gotten to the weekend. I, I couldn't tell you the last time that's happened. So it's just it's so rare and, and it's such a you know, Fordham, let's see what happens next season. Like you never know. They could just drop back down into irrelevancy. Um, and, and now with, like I said, there's six teams that are technically in the pillow fight, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So there's just, there's just more losers in the A-10. So it's just like a log jam. I was ecstatic when we were in the middle of the conference after that five game win streak. I was like, this is the greatest season of my life. And, uh, and just like that, they lose four in a row. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, I I guess my next question is I was gonna go searching for it, but do either of you guys know off the top of your head like what is the furthest LaSalle has gotten in the A10 tournament? And for listeners out there that are unfamiliar, LaSalle joined the exact same year as Dayton, so we are all in our twenty eighth year in the A10. 
Have you guys been to the semifinals, let alone the finals? I don't think I don't think they've ever been to the semis. I think the furthest they've ever been is to the quarters. Because I know <laughs> when they made a Sweet 16, they won two games. So I'm assuming they would have had a bye and then lost. They, they, I don't think I, I know they, I don't think they've been to the semis. I'm wondering if they've ever been to the quarters. I think they probably have been. I don't think they've ever <laughs> been to the semis. We lost in the first round of the A10 tournament before we went on that Sweet 16. Or we yes, lost, lost our first game in the A10 tournament the year that we went to the Sweet 16. I remember that. We lost to Butler, didn't we? Yeah, so they might uh, not have been yeah. to the quarters. Yeah. So the the but I just looked it up because that was the first place I went to was okay. uh 2013 because LaSalle had that they were the 13 seed and then they of course went to the Sweet mm-hmm. 16, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Uh they lost on Friday to Butler, which would have been the quarterfinals. Okay. But it okay. was their first game. So like they got the double bye and they lost oh, anyway. Oh, wow. <laughs> they got the double bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, that was a, it was a great year for LaSalle, mm-hmm. 11 and 5, and they won the tiebreaker over Temple. So that was why they got the double bye. So you're telling me right now that the quarters is as far as they've progressed. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I would, yeah, I, I would think so. Yeah. Little did we know when <laughs> we when we went that far, that was the furthest we will ever go. <laughs> Little did we know. <laughs> they didn't Just win showed a game. up that year. You guys wow. were the furthest you've ever been. Oh, man. Well, I mean, we have different problems here because I'm sure you guys have seen it buzzing around on Twitter where it's been 20 years since we've won the A-10 tournament. Does that shock you guys as like third-party bystanders? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely shocks you, when, you, yeah, your, <laughs> when you consider what you yeah. got, like all of the infrastructure <laughs> right? and the dollars. And at the end of the day, I think I tweeted this the other day. The end of the day, the A-10 is weird. You have these big arenas, these high-profile programs that dominate a region. Uh, in a state and and they're sitting at home with LaSalle in March. It's incredible to me. The A10 is a weird conference. Yeah. Uh breaking news, fellas. I I went way back in the doldrums. I couldn't let this one go cuz I I have to okay. be factual about this. <laughs> All right. All right. LaSalle in 2002, they won on Wednesday against the Fordham Rams. They won on Thursday against the Temple Owls to push their record to 15 and 16. And then Friday, March 8th, 2002, they lost a tough semifinal game to the Richmond Spiders, who were in wow. their first year in the A10 uh, and went to, uh, and Richmond lost to Xavier in the final. Wow. Okay. News to me. News to me. I learned something so, as well. Yeah. So furthest they've gone is the semis. And that was in like year six or seven in the conference. But, uh, and that's only happened once, I assume. I assume <laughs> that was the yeah, only I, time, right? As far as I can tell, sitting here doing the podcast and also researching (laughs) these stats. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Elias Sports Bureau, a.k.a. Sully. I'm I'm good for some stuff, believe it or not. Um, But are you guys, have you ever been to the A-10 tournament? Like, do you you still enjoy it? Just like knowing that it's still our conference tournament or does it take the enjoyment out of it for you? Because for me... Some of the enjoyment does come out of the Flyers games when, like, they're not winning and, and doing well. Like, we've been when we were students, but it's tough to, you know, not, you know, uh, take a day off of work and, you know, travel when LaSalle usually plays, you know, the first day. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. It, it's tough. It's tough. But, you know, I've been to AC and I've been to Brooklyn. 
Yeah, glad we got away from that dump. You know, nobody wanted, yeah. nobody, <laughs> nobody wanted to go to Atlantic City. Whoa, watch yourself. Some people watch like yourself. that. Like, yeah, this guy, this guy liked it, AC. How far is AC from Philly? I don't even know living in Pittsburgh. Oh, like an hour and a half, or maybe like an, even like an Whoa. hour. It's yeah. less than that. Yeah, it's like under an hour. It's it's easy. It's a nice little trip, and Not I bad. miss it dearly. Not bad. Um, the rapid reaction has gone off the rails here on Talking Out Loud, but there's only a couple weeks left in the season, so it, it happens to be like that sometimes. Flyers, a 24-point win, so I'll put the microscope back on the game, fellas. Um, any other thoughts, final thoughts to share? I mean, in these games, I, I do kind of tend on the radio program to not talk about the X's and O's of the game because mm-hmm. let's be honest, like Dayton locked up the double buy, which they were going to get anyways. LaSalle's kind of fighting to stay out of the pillow fights. Like there wasn't a whole lot of implications to this game, but um, any other thoughts you want to share with the, the Dayton fan base or questions and commentary? Cause I take those two. So to me, Dayton's strength is their front court. And I know, you know, right now they're not in that large team and they need to make a run the A10 tournament or the, they need to win the A10 tournament to win it. But do you think they have the guard play? Because guard play wins in March. Do you think they have the guard play to win the A10 tournament? Yeah, I think that if they are playing defense the way they're capable, which is top 40, right? They're fully capable of holding just about any team in the country under 65 if if they are playing on their defensive game. Um, I think that they have to hit three pointers to, to win any amount of games in March. And so I guess the question is, are the guards capable? They are. Um, you saw it tonight. They shot 58% from deep. And I think that's, what's going to make or break Dayton in March. I think if they have games where they shoot 40% or more, because they, they don't take a ton of shots. Like they're actually fairly efficient. So I know that the volume of their shots is not going to go up in any significant measure. They're going to continue to play the slow Anthony Grant half court offense, right? And so the whole thing in uh, in Brooklyn comes down to are they able to make three pointers, right? And they did it tonight, which is why they walked away with the game. Like what guard individually do you think needs to step up for Dayton to cut down the nets and take down the A10 crown? It, it has to be Elvis creating his own shots because okay. you know what you're going to get with Smith, right? Like he's the floor general. He's always going to have the ball. The play always goes through him. He doesn't turn it over a whole lot and he's going to play some pretty tenacious defense at the top of the key. It's not the best defender we've ever had, but he's, he's pretty solid in all those areas I just mentioned. You know that Kobe Bray is going to come out in the game and try to stretch the floor and shoot the three and run the perimeter. That's the entire reason he's out there. It's no secret. He's always going to attach defensive pressure to that style of play because that's his role on the team. So when you talk about guard play and getting specific into like who needs to do what, it's Kobe Elvis creating his own shot because you guys saw tonight, and they mentioned it a couple times on the broadcast, if you're shutting down Deron Holmes, the nice part about our team is Tamani Kamara can hurt you, and he is arguably a better all-around player than Holmes. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Holmes is so hard to stop in his own right. He had 16 and 10 tonight and it, it barely felt like it. Right. He had 34 the other night in a loss. So I'm not really worried about that. Like those guys are going to get theirs. Exactly. You know, yeah. they're going to score 30 most nights. Mm-hmm. So it really comes down to Blakeney, Amsel, and, and then Brea, but, or sorry, Elvis, but Elvis more specifically because he plays the lion's share of the minutes. And like you said, we don't have stellar guard play. So he has to create his own shots. Okay. Yeah. 
I answered succinctly, huh? Damn. Yeah. So freaking good at radio. Um, we're, we're wrapping up the rapid reaction with uh, with Rich and Dennis here from the LaSalle perspective. Guys, it has been inspiring to see your, uh, your climb through the Twitter ranks uh, following LaSalle because I think we talked about this one of the times that we spoke on, on the show here is that if you have something that's unique and that nobody else is doing it, it's enjoyable because you're doing it best and you're the only one doing it, right? Like Dennis, I think you can appreciate that now that there's really no fan coverage of LaSalle. And so when you guys poked your heads out of the, uh, the proverbial rabbit's hole, you were welcome with open arms because people were kind of just waiting for LaSalle fans to surface, right? Yeah. A 10 Twitter is a welcoming environment, despite how terrible LaSalle is. Uh, we, we embrace <laughs> the underdog mentality. We are here to ruin bids. Um, if you ask me like, you know, to bet on the top four or the field to win the A-10 tournament, I would say the field. That is, the, I feel like we, we kind of fit in in a weird way in that <laughs> we can cause chaos um, and, and it translates to our Twitter account. So I'm glad that everybody follows along and enjoys it because the A-10 Twitter uh, atmosphere is truly a uh, unique atmosphere fu- filled with sickos and people that just <laughs> love college basketball and all the ups and downs. Yeah, it's one of a kind. Final thoughts from you, Rich, before we uh, we take the people out tonight. Um, nah, I'm I'm good. I saw that game. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like LaSalle's have a few clunkers. I'm hoping that I said this, Dennis. Before the fir- after the first couple of games, LaSalle lost five. They won five, and maybe they'll lose. They lost four in a row. They'll lose Loyola. Maybe they'll win five in the ten tournament, and then we'll be out of our minds. I'm going <laughs> down Broad Street. On that note, yeah, we're going to go to the only half. Yeah, <laughs> running naked to make up for that yeah. Eagles parade you didn't get. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's fair, guys. That's fair. Hey, I mean the Steelers even make the playoffs, so that's a good place to take us out for tonight. Rapid reaction is closing it up here on Talking Out Loud. If you're listening to us on the podcast feed or 1410 ESPN Radio. You know that there are two rules. You wear red and be loud, and we will catch you next week for the A-10 tournament. Peace. Me and all my friends, we're all misunderstood. They say we stand for nothing, and there's no way we ever could. Now we see everything that's going wrong.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 